Hi, David here. I want to welcome you to another episode of Treasures from the Vault, a series where I share either one of my favorite episodes from one of the earlier seasons of the show or one of the episodes that you, the audience, have liked the most. This week, a great conversation on being a mother in the STEM space with Krishna Kadiala. Enjoy. There's so much uncertainty once you you get pregnant and the, you don't know how things will go up until the, the child is maybe a year or so. You just don't know how things are going to go. And that's the first thing you have to realize. It's very uncertain. Nothing is a given. And yes, funding is a big question when you're a student. So you have to know that your funding opportunities are not going to be taken away or are not going to be impacted because you choose to have children. You have to talk it out with your supervisor, first thing. You, and, and you kind of get a sense for, okay, how are they when, when maybe you see how their journey has been or you see what kind of students they have mentored, how they think, what are their views. You get a feel for, okay, are they going to be okay with it? Or are they going to be not okay with it? Welcome to this uh, new episode uh, and this new Papa PhD interview. Today, I'm interviewing Krishna Kadiala. Krishna is an assistant professor of computer science at Texas Christian University. Prior to starting her PhD journey, she was senior network engineer at AT&T Labs in Middletown, New Jersey, for three years. During Krishna's PhD candidature, she also mothered two beautiful girls. Krishna is passionate about learning, teaching, and helping girls in computer science, and is an advocate for PhD moms and moms with young kids in academia. Krishna, welcome to this Papa PhD interview. Thank you, David. That sounds really good. <laughs> Thank you. My pleasure. Uh, and my pleasure to have you here. And uh, I'm super happy that, uh, that we connected uh, on LinkedIn and that we're here talking about this question of being a woman in science and research, being a mom in science and research, I think that's even more specific. Um, but uh, the, the you know the hashtag women in STEM is is mm -hmm. one that uh, that exists and it exists for a reason. So I'm super super grateful that you're here today, so we can have this conversation. And I'm super super thankful that you had me here. It's it's just wonderful to be able to talk about it, and I think we need to. So. Just to begin, would, what would be you know one thing that you would add to the the short bio kind of that I gave of you, so listeners can get to know who Krishna is a little bit. Um, I'm I've recently become an I am remarkable facilitator, and okay. uh, it's it's a Google initiative, but but I think it is very applicable or very important that a lot of people find more information about this initiative and do the workshop because it helps you build your confidence to speak mm -hmm. up about your accomplishments. And mm -hmm. I have not, never been good at that. <laughs> so it just, it's just another small way that I try to help. So it's not just helping students or helping women in coursework and finding what their careers are, but it's mm -hmm. just saying, okay, you should learn and practice to stand up, acknowledge your accomplishments, and be able to speak up about them. 
this is this sounds really interesting and uh, and I guess that coming on a podcast is can probably be part of this uh of this you know of using these skills that you've learned there uh, at Google um because you know you you told me at the beginning you weren't aware that we were going to be live so you know there's a little bit of stress <laughs> yes. there but I think yeah. you you'll see that uh, that uh, it's 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 just fine and now yes. with 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 people cheering you from uh, from the stands it's it's even even better right <laughs> yes that's true and and I have to add here there's so I, in my commute, I, I listen to audiobooks, and those are my newfound love. Um, and I was listening to this book about uh, imperfectionism and how you should embrace it and, you know, not try to be a perfectionist, which is very hard because that's how I am. And um, this this line that popped up from the other Brene Brown, PhD again, is, mm-hmm. um, is to own your story and, and talk about it. Right, because there's others who are in similar situations, similar problems, maybe similar obstacles. And and when you hear someone talk about what they have been through or what's going on and how they overcame, it's just so much more hopeful for you. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And it's, it's interesting. You, you, I've it's I've heard this thing of uh, I, ha- I hadn't heard the term imperfectionism before, but uh, there's. Uh, this guy, uh, I think it's uh, Chris Kremitzos, I think he's called, and it's it's in the in the space of podcasting, and he mm-hmm. he wrote this book, which is called uh, "Start Ugly," <laughs> oh, and which which means uh, if you, I think the 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 message behind it is, if you want to be too much of a perfectionist at the at the beginning of a project, you may be, you know. Uh, putting uh, sticks in your wheels in terms of getting the project launched. Right. And uh, right. he actually practiced what he wrote uh, by, by creating this great, um, during COVID, during the, the confinement, this online meeting of podcasters, really, really big, uh, really big organization. Mm-hmm. But he started ugly in a way, meaning that uh, there was things that he learned on the way. And uh, once he launched, there was adjustments. And mm-hmm. there's there's some aspect of uh, of like imperfectionism, like you said to it. So I find it interesting that you bring that up. And it's true that often, if you get to the PhD, perfectionism might be a trait that you bring with you uh, yes. <laughs> into the experience and out of the experience. So uh, I, I'd be glad, actually, I... I'd be glad for you to share um, this book, and I, I can even, uh, if if we remember to do this, uh, yes. put it in the show notes. Yes, I will. Actually, I was going to also suggest the book. It's 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 wonderful, especially I think for people who are Type A personalities, <laughs> or if you're trying, you know, I I still am, but I, but I've learned to to let go of some of the things and say, okay, it's okay to not try and be perfect all the time, mm-hmm. every time. Yeah. So. Uh, now, about what brings us here today. So, we, you know, we connected on, on LinkedIn and um, and quickly you told me about how important it, it was to you to be an advocate for mm-hmm. moms uh, in academia, for PhDs who are moms. Uh, can you just talk a little bit about why, you know, mm-hmm. why you have this interest and this um, mission that you give yourself a bit yes. of being an advocate? Um. So honestly, I think what triggered me to, to come out and say, okay, I think everybody needs help and, and I should do something about it is um, COVID. Because mm-hmm. before COVID, I did sure to kind of have everything together. Yes, you know, 
sort of struggling to get everything together, but I still had it held it together. Um, but COVID absolutely just just wrecked everything, and I, and I you know all I had I was holding on tight, and everything just just went out of control. And um, in a way, I felt very overwhelmed and alone, and didn't know what to do. Was I the only one? So it's always the question of. Am I the only one who's feeling this way? Am I the odd one out, right? Mm -hmm. No matter what your experience is, how you're feeling, it's always like you feel like like my students do in, in class. Maybe I'm the only one who's not grasping this idea here. So I was thinking that way until I started reading some articles that came maybe in higher ed or some other places, but it was about this um, mother in academia who was struggling because, you know, COVID hit, the kids had to stay home, you're mm. working from home. It's just too much and overwhelming. And, you know, of course, research slows down and you're into your track. That's a big deal. Um, there's teaching, there's mentoring students. And I'm like, okay, it's probably just not me, right? And I said, okay, yeah. if there are others like me out there, or if there are going to be others like me out there, because with hashtag women in STEM, and there's mm -hmm. so much more support for girls nowadays to go into STEM, to be who you are, I, I, I thought of the question, well, is at some point, is this population going to have to choose between having a career in academia or having graduate studies, as opposed to raising a family, taking care of the kids? Because Everything changed when COVID came. I mean, the kids became the top priority. And so, yes, that was the motivation. And I said, okay, I'm going to try and see how I can reach others. Share my story is a first step to, because that's how I felt when I heard someone else who was accomplished in a very good uh, department in a good school say that this is overwhelming. COVID has changed my plans. I'm like, okay, so there's validity for me right there. Mm -hmm. It's not just me. And so I said, okay, let's see how we can reach others. How can I help others? Yeah. I also remember reading articles about how the COVID impacted men and women differently and basically to do with, you know, the, the, the invisible... Um, uh, burden that is uh, raising a family and and making a household work yes. more for women than than for men typically. Uh, now, but you said uh, you talked about telling your story. So you know, I, I think uh, it's the moment to go there. People kind of know why we're here. Um, your motivation and what what got you started in this mission of of being an advocate. Uh, so yeah, do you want to share maybe one more? Uh, one more chapter of your story or, or we can start and then I can, you can work through it. Yes, sure. Um, let's see. You want me to start from the, the PhD or right after? Well, I, I think uh, if, you know, a lot of people uh, who are in the PhD and a lot of women during the PhD uh, may be considering having children and maybe considering postponing it for after the PhD. Mm -hmm. I remember actually when I was doing my bachelor's, uh, one of my, the professors in the, the department where I was actually, I remember hearing him tell his PhD, uh, his uh, PhD students that, that were women that during the PhD is the best moment to have your child. And, 
but I think it's the only person when I go through in my memory of conversations that I heard say that. And this was years, <laughs> this was years ago. So I think it was quite kind of forward thinking in a way. But then after that, the conversations I've heard are more, are more of, mm, I'd better postpone it. <laughs> and then the, the thing is, once you postpone, well, now I'm, I'm on my, yeah. I, I'm on my postdoc. I'm on my second postdoc. Never a good time. That's it. It's never a good time. So I'd say let's start. Let's start with the PhD. I think it's a it's a good moment. Uh, and also maybe, and we can talk about that later. Uh, we'll talk about how the the professional spaces you've been in. You know, you, you I mentioned AT and T at the beginning. Mm -hmm. How being a woman in those in in the domain that you are how that worked and, and how that, how that impacted also your, let's say your balance yes. uh, between work and family, etc. But yeah, let's start uh, at PhD or, or just at, at the transition uh, after the PhD. Okay, perfect. Yeah. So um, to, to start off, I think I'm going to take what you just said. And so, so I did decide, um, no, let me, let me go back a little. So I do come from a very traditional Indian family mm -hmm. and, and, uh, having kids was it was honestly planned <laughs> even before we got married i guess <laughs> in a way mm -hmm. um, um my my dad is a doctor um in india and and he was always advocating for you know you should have kids young because okay. you you need to give your strength to kids and you know all of that you have to your body has to heal you have to have the energy to raise these kids and all of that um so I knew I knew at some point during my PhD that I would have kids. I didn't know mm -hmm. one or two, but I knew that it has to happen. Um, and I did. So I did have my first child um, in in 2014, and I was just getting started in my thesis. Kind of, you know, actual. We had a problem defined. We were getting to work on right. the you know, actual meat of the thesis and all of that. Um, and, and it was, I think it totally flipped <laughs> my priorities. It was mm -hmm. very unexpected. You know, up until then I had seen other moms or I had seen others and I'm like, okay, I think this is totally manageable. You know, you know, the, the child's just going to grow. They're tiny. I mean, how much time can they take? How much effort can it be? Um, and then, and then when my first child happened, it just completely flipped my world. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I deliberately planned to have a second one after a long gap okay. and i also did decide like like you were just saying that during the phd is the best time to have a child mm. it might affect how much you time you take to finish or to get to graduate but right after i think there's too much pressure too much to do mm. when if you decide to have right after graduating so I did take that decision and say, okay, we're going to have the second one right before I graduate. And we, that's exactly what happened, mm -hmm. thankfully. And, mm -hmm. um, and I'm, I'm so glad I actually took that decision. And I, I, it cognitively, I'm like, okay, I think that was a very sensible thing to do because mm -hmm. now I think about it after graduating would have been absolutely impossible. Mm -hmm. right. And so this is interesting, and it's it's funny that uh, you know we hadn't talked about this. I didn't know exactly the timing that you had had your children, and that that I told the thing about the professor, and that in the end, that's that's the the reflection you had. I I, I really like to uh, 
to uh, maybe for you to expand a little bit on that on why on you know on your point of view and you know with with your your family and with your husband because I, i'm sure this was not uh, you know you didn't decide this on your own <laughs> right yes. so what was the, what was the rationale behind saying you know what i'll do it now you said mm -hmm. you, you mentioned part of it which is just after the phd a lot of pressure uh, and uh, like you know uh, getting a postdoc or mm -hmm. whatever comes after etc etc um and and but what other more practical day-to-day -day or or even uh you know reflect reflections uh did you have that brought you to this conclusion of saying because people might think well you're going to have to like you said split the time bet between take you know taking care of, of the child and then especially at those first few months uh, after after the child is born but what reflections what solutions did you find how did you manage that how how did you make everything work in the end um i think one of the biggest shocker for me was that um when i had my kids they somehow became the first second and third priorities on my list of course mm -hmm. right um and i had not anticipated that very honestly <laughs> um because i i was a very go-to person like i i would get things done i was on top of everything um i loved working i loved studying learning new topics and and i loved challenges and when like i said i think the the first child was sort of just just threw all my plans away and and i'm like okay wait a minute we we need to you know i have to readjust now i don't know how to deal with this new yeah. list i i just didn't know what came over me in a way and um I technically think that not not a problem, but I realized how much of a hands-on mom I wanted to be, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? So you might find it, or our audience might notice this with a working woman, academia or outside. It's always a very delicate balance of not feeling guilty that you're working, but at the same time, not giving up on your dreams just because you have kids, right? Mm -hmm. That balance is just impossible to strike. So I would feel, I, I realized that, okay, I wanted to be very hands-on in terms of, all right, I want to take my kids to experience different things, even though they were just one, um, one year old maybe, but I still mm -hmm. wanted to say, okay, no, the, the kid has to go out to the park, experience different weathers and i'm like okay this i didn't realize that this was so important to me because you see that i, I had no prior experience i was going into un, unknown territory uncharted, territories, right? uncharted yeah. yes and so i did not know i was going to be such a hands-on mom so that was my first challenge it was me that had changed mm -hmm. right and um so yeah so once i realized that that was very important to me as well as my PhD. I just decided to break down my week that way. So Monday to Thursday is work week. And then Friday, Saturday, Sunday would be completely with the kid, take, take her out or do art projects, whatever it is. But that was, un, un, I think, undenied attention to just mm -hmm. her being with her, being a mom. Mm -hmm. um so that actually helped me not feel guilty monday to thursday 
right? Mm-hmm. So that would be the strength that would say, okay, you're doing everything you can. You're not really walking away, leaving the child alone. So that mm-hmm. that yeah. so it, it worked on, on me not feeling guilty and overwhelmed. Yeah. And once that phase passed, I knew that, okay, I want to do both. I want to be, I want to have accomplishments, but I also want to have this. If I want a second child, I want to have the same experiences almost. But I knew that if I did plan for a child after graduation, I just didn't have the time. I can't mm-hmm. say in a nine to, you know, in academia is not that, but even in a nine to five job, I can't say, sorry, I have to take my child to the park today mm-hmm. or to go face painting today. It just doesn't work <laughs> that way. Right. So, so that was the motivation because I, I just learned who I was, how I wanted to mother my kids. And luckily my husband saw what I was doing. I mean, he mm-hmm. could tell, all right. He's like, okay, I realize how you want to do. And it was, I was a, I'm a very strong, <laughs> strong mother for a better lack of, you know, word. But mm-hmm. I, I, I decide like, okay, this is what we're going to do this day. And then, you know, uh, luckily my husband just said, okay, let's do that. So yeah, that was essentially it. And we knew from the very beginning, I think that I would like to go into academia. Mm-hmm. Um, or I should say that was my first option always. Okay. So definitely my husband understood the challenges because it was on, it was only going to get harder. It was not going to get any more easier, mm-hmm. right? Than being a student. So yes. Hmm. So uh, now the question that arises for me is, uh, you know, you you've told us about what went on in your you know your head, you know, in your inner universe and in your like family universe. But there's uh, your your uh, uh, lab mates. There's your supervisor. Uh, there's funding. Can you talk a little bit about that side? Because that's, yes. I, I, I think, what, because I agree with you. Once a child arrives in your life, there's something that happens and the priorities like flip. That I, I agree and I, I've gone to, the, to a similar experience as a dad. Yes. But uh, people who are considering uh, mm-hmm. um, uh, couples, uh, you know, uh, research, uh, p- women researchers that are considering do, do I or do I not have my child now? Some of the obstacles that they might have are of this uh, category of yes. what's happening to my funding. Is my supervisor gonna be happy or not about this? Uh, how is this going to impact the the lab, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. Can you just talk a little bit about how you navigated sure. that and and how you organized that aspect of things? Sure thing. Um, I have to say I'm very thankful that my advisor was very understanding or a mm-hmm. kind person. So so if you are someone who's considering having kids, there's a bunch of to-do things that you have to say, okay, is this checked? Is this checked? Did I make sure this is done before? Because there's so much uncertainty once you, you get pregnant and mm-hmm. th- you don't know how things will go up until the, the child is maybe a year or so. <laughs> you just don't know how things are going to go. And that's the first thing you have to realize. It's very uncertain. Nothing is a given. Mm-hmm. And yes, funding is a big question when you're a student. So you have to know that your funding opportunities are not going to be taken away or are not going to be impacted because you choose to have children. You have to talk it out with your supervisor. First thing, 
you, and, and you kind of get a sense for, okay, how are they when, when maybe you see how their journey has been, or you see what kind of students they have mentored, how mm-hmm. they think, what are their views? You get a feel for, okay, are they going to be okay with it? Are they going to be not okay with it? And believe it or not, luckily not my advisor, but there was this instance when I was just pregnant with my second child and you couldn't physically see, you know, that I was Mm -hmm. pregnant. And I was at the verge of being offered a position um, as an adjunct and I wanted to take some time and do that. Um, and, And this person almost verbally said, okay, wonderful. I like your profile. We met in person and he said, okay, I'm going to uh, get back in touch with you. We'll, we should get this rolling. And I'm, I'm so excited. And I'm like, I just wanted to make sure. Oh, I just wanted to make, oh, I'm sorry. It's okay. <laughs> sorry, it happens. <laughs> um, so I just wanted to make sure that they knew I was not going to be able to start right away. So I mentioned, I happened to mention to them that, hey, okay, um, I'm actually pregnant. I'm going to be expecting a child, you know, in this month so I can Mm -hmm. start right after. And something just changed. The equation Mm -hmm. just changed. So you have to realize that not everybody is going to be supportive, but that's not necessarily Mm -hmm. your problem, right? I mean, you have to live your life. Mm -hmm. So don't shy away from living your life just because somebody else thinks that's not the way you should go about it. Mm -hmm. It's very hard to do that because again, like I said, sometimes you end up feeling alone. You feel like you're the only one. You feel like you made a wrong decision, but no, you, you have to find someone who you can talk to at that point in time and say, all right, this is what I experienced. Am I at fault here? Because you are not. Mm-hmm. No, and I think in the example that you gave, you did the right thing of being open, and mm-hmm. in the end, you did well. You didn't get that position that you that you wanted, but you know you avoided the 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 possible uh, stresses of getting into position, then it coming out, you know, appearing that you're pregnant, etc., and have and being in conflict and being in friction with this this person. So I, I, I think that um, that being open uh, from the outset is a good thing because it's kind of it's going to filter, you know, if the if the team or if the employer or if the the the, the person who's uh, who's uh, evaluating you is open for it, then you'll know. If not, oh, the, the lights are back on. If not, you'll also know, and I think that's good. Uh, I've had someone on the show who also said the same thing and she was like moving countries to get this position but luckily the ti- the timing of of you know pregnancy and getting a child was fine for the time frame of the thi- the the, the yes. position she was yep. she was getting into so no I, I think it's an interesting it's an interesting point and uh, yes culpability uh, you know feeling guilty uh, at this moment is putting uh, undue pressure on yourself yes um but um yeah, it's it can get difficult though, you know, if if let's say if if it's really the position that you want or if yeah. you've been looking for a while and you kind of are have this pressure of getting a position, yes. it can get it can get difficult it to is. be forthright I, and, yeah. Yes, I mean, <laughs> I I was I was very devastated because I'm like having a child does not impact my abilities to do the job in any way, mm. right? So 
it, it just initially I was very upset, but but then I said, okay, everything happens for a reason. I talked it out, and 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 I have a good friend in my husband, so luckily mm. we talked it out, and he's he's like, you know, it, it's okay. You'll find something better. We'll get move on. Let's focus on the happy thing for now, and that's exactly what we did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So. So this uh, means that you, when you got your PhD, you had your two daughters already. Yes. Right? When I walked, um, when I took my walk, I had a uh, 11 month old. Okay. <laughs> yes. Wow. All right. <laughs> and so maybe uh, talk, if you can talk to us, because there's the after, right? There's postdoc. Uh, and, and again, you know, as uh, a, a man, <laughs> I don't, you know, well, also, first, I haven't done a postdoc, but I've had conversations about that. But I, I'd like you to talk about what, you know, parenthood uh, has, what impact parenthood may have had at the different steps that came after yes. the PhD. Yes. Um, so I think the biggest um, takeaway for me from my PhD and having kids during that time was how, like I said, how much my priorities changed. And now I was not really aiming to go into a tier one research university anymore mm-hmm. because it was that pull. It was, I'm like, okay, this constant struggle between do I want to be home with the kids or do I want to just have successful publications? That was, I think it, it was very clear to me by then. I wanted to do a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. Right, this and I want both. So one big decision I had taken by the time I started applying for jobs and um, taking interviews was that I wanted to go into a more like a teaching university or teaching okay. research, um, equally distributed teaching research university than a more research oriented university only. That was the first big decision I took. Mm-hmm. And that helped me streamline. And, and my first job right out of um, my PhD was at a liberal arts college in okay. Orlando, Rollins. And, and I, I, loved, I loved that this place was small. There was you know, not many students, not much of faculty. There was no pressure to like, okay, um, I have to, no publish or perish mm-hmm. there. So it, it helped me gain footing and you know i was like okay i can take a breather now right right because you see i'm also international so there's also this pressure of okay you have to find something right out of the gate or it's going to become really difficult um and and unfortunately actually that's one of the reasons i did not venture out to do a postdoc um i just couldn't take that chance and okay i said let's try this and, and luckily, it happened very quickly. Mm-hmm. And um, it, like about six, eight months before I graduated, I had a job. So I was okay. so wow. much more relieved. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I, I think by uh, November of this year, I had a job. And then I was graduating in May of next year. Mm-hmm. So I was very relieved just on the onset of that, you know. Um, and then uh- I... Yes. I have a point. I have a question, actually. Yes. So this, this, uh, I also don't have experience of small universities, you know, smaller institutions, and uh, I, I have had conversations where people have told me that, kind of like you, uh, I didn't 
want i didn't want uh, or uh, as a researcher or as a young researcher uh wanting to go to a ph for a phd my objective was not to be in a big lab publishing a lot was working on this on this specific domain uh, and and you know what i'm trying to say is i don't have any experience of these of these mm -hmm. uh universities but it feels like for different people uh, or or for specific specific people these types of universities are actually a yes. very good environment and yes. now given what you you're telling me do you uh, recommend um uh, you know uh, phd's who are considering uh, having a child during their phd that maybe that they look at these smaller institutions I don't know if it's a convoluted question. But... No, no. It, I think my answer is going to be convoluted more than the question. Okay. So, so here's the thing. Um, especially in computer science, there's a method to this madness, okay? Mm -hmm. um, to, to be very successful in terms of publications requires a team. I mean, it, they say it takes a village to raise a child. I mm -hmm. say it takes a village to do a PhD. Mm -hmm. Because... If, so, so it's no more, a PhD is no more that tunnel vision rabbit hole thing where you dig yourself deep and when you come out, you're victorious and everybody realizes that you're, you've done this wonderful thing. It's not just that. It's not depth anymore. It's a combination of depth and breadth. Why? Mm -hmm. Because you have to be visible. There's so many of us researchers in different levels. And if you want to be noticed, if you want to be known, because it's more like how popular or how visible are you that you get to be on panels, you get to be on conferences. Mm -hmm. That really helps you in your job search, helps you in defining your career in academia, right? Mm -hmm. So if you already have that circle, so let's say you have a group of six lab, lab mates and you're all working together, by the time you graduate, you will have multiple publications. In my case, it was different because mm -hmm. I did not work with a lab. I did not. I was the only student at that time for my advisor. Okay. And it was, I didn't realize at that time it was a disadvantage. But looking back, I think that was one of the things that I would have changed. I would have okay. done differently. Um, so if you already have that group, then please participate actively because that is going to help you so much more than you think right now. But if you don't and you're thinking, okay, I'm not sure, is this right for me? Then please do explore private colleges, smaller universities, because right now, so what TCU does, it's called a teacher scholar model. And I love that okay. about TCU because we emphasize on both teaching and scholarly activity in the same level, right? And and to me, that that that's what makes me. That's one of it's playing on one of my biggest strengths, where I can take any complicated topic and break it down for mm -hmm. students who are just coming out of high school into their very first semester in college. And but I I love I love doing research too. It's just I don't want to be married to my research in a way. Mm -hmm. So it's a perfect balance. I, I still have time with the kids. I get to do mentoring, teaching, volunteering, and I get to contribute in terms of research. Mm -hmm. So yes, if you are considering 
having children or you have kids and you're exploring, that's definitely a very, very good option to go look. Because I think what what we think as when we're applying for jobs is, oh my God, this is not a good university. Nobody's heard about it. You don't know how it is unless you take a chance. Mm -hmm. So don't look at the name of the university and decide that, okay, this is not me. Just give it a shot. At least go feel the place. And Mm -hmm. that's what I felt when I did, when Rollins, it was a small university, um, small college. Uh, TCU is bigger than Rollins, but it's still considerably um, my type. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Very good. So, uh, so this kind of confirms what, what I was thinking, and I think uh, you know because I, I had had these conversations outside of the context of uh, you know raising a family and having children, but I think it does it does apply, and and of course I always advise any PhD candidate to to do this work of talking to lab to people who are in the lab to past uh, um, uh, past um, team members of the lab. And to and to you know this this the made the the PI of course, but uh but to really get a feel of where they're going because it's uh, it's gonna be a long, uh not a marriage like you were saying but it's a long relationship <laughs> yes. so you better be sure uh, yes. and depending on your values on your priorities in life maybe that can you know choosing different types of institutions yes. in terms of scale can make make the PhD a, a smoother experience for yes. you. Yes. Yes. My question to you is, uh, because the question was at the at the beginning, let's say of the interview, was are things changing for the better? And you know, your story is quite recent, mm-hmm. and uh, I wonder whether in in the time when when this when your adventure and parenthood started until today, if you're seeing th- things happen uh, in terms of this question of mm-hmm. the openness of institutions to uh, accept women with Everything a woman can be, including a mother. Mm-hmm. Do you see things changing for the better? I would. There's no clear yes or no here. Mm-hmm. I think it's a yes and no, right? Um, yes, because there are institutions, there are people who are honestly striving to make that difference, to actually say, look, there's so much that I think COVID has helped that quite a bit. There's so much going on apart from this role that this woman is doing, apart from being a lecturer or professor, a researcher, there's this entire other life that she's having to lead. And it takes so much of her time and energy to do that also. Um, But also, I think it is up to us as women to feel, okay, what are the resources available to me? What can I take advantage of? Who should I contact? Who should I talk to? It's not, it's, it's, it takes two to tango. It's not just mm-hmm. the institution or the department trying to, well, okay, we're supportive, but they don't really know until you tell them how they can support you best, right? Mm-hmm. So, for example, my department right now, um, I'm very lucky, I think, when I can say that my department chair was considering, okay, you have two young kids. Um, how do you want your schedule to look like? Would you like to have your classes on, you know, as minimum number of days as possible so that the other days you have a little more flexibility? I love that, right? Mm -hmm. Because to me, that's wonderful. That's very considerate. 
instead of saying, all right, this is how we're going to roll and you can figure out what you want to do, but this is how concrete and fixed we are going to be. That's a very good starting point for me. Um, but I'm going to say it's also up to you to tell your story correctly. So you don't have to say, oh, my God, I'm doing so much and you're not doing anything to appreciate me. But you could just say, this is me, right? Talk about your accomplishments. I always tell my students this. For someone who has been having a wonderful phase in their life, it's a normal thing to get up and get out the door every single day. But for someone who's battling depression or anxiety or something in their mind, something that's not okay, for them, it's a big achievement that they wake up and get out the door and appear normal. Mm-hmm. So you, unless you tell your struggles, you tell your story, you tell what you've overcome, you can't expect others to appreciate the entirety of you because they don't know so much about you. Mm-hmm. So yes, there is a lot of reception right now. People are listening. People are trying to help. But it's also, you have to tell your stories. We have to bring to the front that, look, this is how life looks like. And how can we help, right? Or, or where, where should both of these meet? Mm-hmm. So some self-advocacy. Advocacy. And, mm. and, you know, that really helps others. So when I say, okay, if I'm the only one saying, oh, my God, it's very difficult to be a mom and be in academia, then I look like the odd one out. But if we are a collective group saying, "What well, we need to pay attention to this fact that there's so much going on. Maybe we can help mothers in academia somehow, or even parents, any parent, male or female in academia, maybe they have a child who needs more attention, or maybe they have something else that's really important to them. How can you help sustain them through all of that? Mm-hmm. But if you don't speak up as a collective group, you won't get help. Or you won't be recognized. Yeah, no, it, it it does make sense, and it makes me wonder. So, in your uh, advocacy for uh, you know uh, girls, uh, women, mothers in computer science, is there an organization? Is there you know is there a platform where where people are having conversations, uh, where people are telling their stories, or is is there still nothing organized? There's nothing organized. There is some research that I'm participating in um, as a as a, uh, I'm an interviewee. I'm not the one leading mm-hmm. the research. But apart from that, and I think what is surprising to me most is, especially in computer sciences, I am not, I'm not really seeing a whole lot of discussion or, or mm-hmm. talk about, um, as, as a woman, this is my journey. These are the things that I needed help with how can I help junior researchers because they're going through the same exact thing. Mm-hmm. So right now I don't have any particular place that I go and volunteer. So I am in different places volunteering and showing people how much it takes, what it takes, but how doable it is to be in a position like mine. Well, and I hope this conversation on Papa PhD is going to be part of that effort. But uh, I do, I do feel that uh, it kind of, to me, it it kind of uh, is saying that uh, something like that should should be created uh, because you see a lot of uh, things happening. Let's say 
uh, I've, I've had a couple of guests and people I know talking about organizations of uh, um, women who are CEOs, let's say, mm -hmm. um, and, and who are actually... Uh, you know, those who are more advanced are helping the ones who are more junior. A little yes. bit like you were saying. Yes, yes. <laughs> like you were saying. So yes. I think it's a, it's a, it's an inspiring message of uh, of, of, of first things can change. Mm -hmm. There needs to be some self advocacy, but it, it feels to me that you you could you could start a group of some sort. <laughs> I I will <laughs> some sometime. I I hope I do. But but yes and. It, it, it's um, I, I don't know where I, I got that idea from, but somehow I was thinking that what if, you know, sometime in the future when I do, but what if we could say that, all right, you're, you're an accomplished professor level position mm -hmm. right now. You've been through this. If you can extend and say, all right, I will take on one junior researcher who's a woman or who's a person who has kids Uh, and I will help them because it feels so much easier when you join a group mm -hmm. than to form a group on your own. Like, so in my instance, for example, I moved to TCU and now I have to build a student community of, of for course. my research. But it would be so much easier if someone else from a different university came forth and said, just like mentoring, right? I said, okay, um, why don't you join for a year or so? Why don't you be part of our group and see what you can do, where you can help? And then maybe we'll get something mutually beneficial from that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, right now, I, I don't know. I've reached a few and I feel like everybody or, or, or women or mothers in academia are trying to fight their own isolated battles. Mm -hmm. and and somehow i want to bring them all together i'm just not sure where to start and how with with, with everything on my plate right now <laughs> <laughs> well right. people who are listening women who are listening reach out to to krishna because krishna you you are on linkedin you're i am on you, linkedin yes uh, easy to find krishna p kadiala uh, i will put your linkedin um, your linkedin page in the show notes mm -hmm. uh, if you have the time the energy or ideas or if you're already a group maybe close by that you don't know reach out to to krishna because clearly cle clearly there's there's potential to to make something grow and to make something out of this right. yes. um now just as we finish if there is someone out there maybe um, pregnant and worried to uh reveal it maybe really wanting to have kids but but uh, not being able to decide or you know or feeling that that it's it's uh, um, it's not uh, okay uh, do you have uh, you know some last words of uh, inspiration or encouragement for them um, first of all i think we're very strong if you have if you have the ability to mother a child i think you can do anything in the world <laughs> It gives you so much strength. Um, it takes a mountain of effort. And if you are pregnant or you're worried and you're confused, find someone maybe in your department, outside your group of friends, someone who can actually let you talk your heart out. Like no judgment, no conditional talking. Just mm -hmm. because for one, when you find that someone you can talk to and put your fears into words, it somehow clarifies exactly what you're fearing. 
mm-hmm. right? It just makes it so much better and say, okay, am I anxious? What am I anxious about? What am I worried about? And then you're like, okay, what's the worst thing that could happen? And if you have a worst thing that can happen, find the solution for it first. That's going to solve half the troubles in your mind or maybe 90% of the troubles in your mind, (laughs) right? And just, again, LinkedIn is a wonderful resource. I was late in in realizing that, but I'm so glad I did. Um, Find people that you can talk to and total strangers are wonderful listeners. Trust me, you don't have to know them. Just tell them what's going on and they'll give you a mountain of information that's wonderful, that's going to motivate you, help you. Maybe they can do something that you probably did not even think was a possible idea, right? Mm-hmm. So don't, big advice, don't stick to yourself. Don't, don't keep it inside. Mm-hmm. Find someone to talk to and then find your worst fear. And then see how, okay, what's the best thing I can take? If that happens, what's my plan B, right? And just just do it. I mean, we're very strong. I, lo- I love it. I, I really love it. It's a great a great way to, to, end, to end this conversation because it's, it's a very strong point. Uh, but it makes me think of, of mental health. If, if actually yes. your doubts are bringing you to depression or, mm-hmm. or extreme anxiety, also, uh, you know, be sure to make use of whichever resources you have around you in university that that mm-hmm. are offered, or look uh, look for professional help because yes, uh, there's you know there's nothing that's more precious than than your mental health and that that is a priority. An important mm-hmm. point of what you said is that these people you're going to talk to, it's important that they're not in your direct circle of research, let's say, mm-hmm. and especially not that they're not people who are hierarchically connected to you yes. in any way, yes. because then there's no. limits to what you can talk, <laughs> exactly. what you can talk about. I really, really love the idea of talking to a total stranger, although, well, with conditions, uh, because they're totally unattached to the outcome, to the, to the context. And they might come with a great idea right. that, that you didn't, didn't think about. Yeah. Really, the, like the, Unfortunately, what happens is because when we're fighting our battles, we're so connected to it that we can't, we forget to take a step back and help mm. that person fighting the battle, right? And my, my mom always used to say, you should detach yourself from the situation, you know, take a bird's eye view, assess the mm. situation, find how you would help someone else who's in that situation. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's when you actually are giving your best advice and your best suggestions. And, and I'm going to put this out there. For, for in, in terms of mental health, um, I had postpartum depression after my second child through mm-hmm. writing my thesis. And I was not brave enough to say it out loud up until now, honestly. So mm-hmm. if you are experiencing something like that, it's normal. It's okay. 90% of us don't want to show it out because maybe we're perceived as failures. Maybe we're perceived as weak. But no, if you have fought it in the past or you're fighting it now, that makes you even more stronger. Mm-hmm. So, yes, feel free to reach out to me. <laughs> All <laughs> right. Yes. Well, this is an even better, I think, moment to, to, to end the interview because I think it's a really, really important point. And I think we'll end on that. Krishna, thank you so much for, for being first open to having people reach out to you. Uh, it's 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 really really uh, uh, really generous of you. Thanks for for this time and for for you know talking about this, talking you know and sharing about your experience 
uh, in, in a quite vulnerable way. And uh, I'm super, super happy again that we connected and that uh, this conversation happened. Me too. I'm very, very grateful that I'm here. And thank you for that opportunity, David, because it's very important for me, finally, that I, I had to share my story. And mm. it might not be the best one out there, but if there's anyone that I can help through my story, that's what I'm here for. That's the only reason I'm here for. <laughs> but well, thank and you. And well, and I'm super, super grateful for it. And, uh, and uh, again, thank you. Papa PhD is a labor of love. If you like the show and have found value in it, you can pay it forward by donating to help other people like you hear Papa PhD. Even a $5 one-time donation will go a long way. So go to papaphd.com forward slash support to donate or to papaphd.com forward slash Patreon to become a patron. I didn't create this podcast to make money. I want to help and inspire people. Your support will help me cover the cost of hosting, equipment, and other recurring expenses needed to bring you a high-quality show week after week. Thank you for your support. I am David Mendez. See you next week.